Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone. Mike Lewis with the Fanalytics podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ada Chong, and we're going to talk a little bit about, well, I think the topic is really people analytics, but the focus is political analytics. Hey, Ada. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on today. So when I say people analytics, I think a lot of this sports stuff actually just boils down to an ability to predict human performance and human results. So in sports, this is kind of easy because we have all this data on what athletes do. You know, we know how many points they score in every game they play. We know how big they are. We know how many times they bench press 225 pounds at the NFL Combine. We have data, data point after data point. But we want to predict what people do in a lot of realms beyond sports, or potentially we do. If you're in a standard kind of business application, you want to know who's going to be the best performer in, in terms of who you might want to hire. In terms of politics, this is one of these things where I think this gets becomes something very interesting very quickly. The, the idea of, let's say, potentially trying to figure out who the best candidate is going to be for an office. And you can imagine where this gets into almost a little bit of a controversial statement. I'm not saying the best candidate in terms of who's going to be the most effective leader or the most eff- effective office holder, but who's most likely to to win, Ada. And you've done research on this before. Yeah, this is um, the the background on this is some research we did actually it's, it's seven eight years ago, but I think it's 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 a piece of research that is relevant every time an elect an electoral cycle comes through. As I mentioned, you know, with sports, we got all the data in the world on actual performance, you know, objective performance on what an athlete does. And you can imagine, you know, let's say your business application like sales, salespeople, you've got objective performance on what they do. In the political realm, objective performance is it's a little bit harder to find. And so, you know, often I think what happens is when people are evaluating candidates, when voters are about to make selections, they're really relying on heuristics or cues. And so party is the big one, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that their team red, they're not going to vote for a Democrat. And if their team blue, they're not going to vote for a Republican. But beyond that, we can find other kinds of heuristic decision making. 
And the one I want to talk about and focus on today is, well, I think it's an interesting one. A lot of people think it's a fun one, is the role of candidate appearance in terms of electoral success. So as a starting point, let me ask you the question. Is there a Republican look? And I'm going to come back to you after this and say, is there a Democratic look? And I, and, and I want you to be totally honest here. I want you to give me your, your stereotypes. So in my opinion, I think a Republican look, they look very prestigious, very country club-like, just like they come from very wealthy families. Is that fair? Um, doesn't matter if it's fair. This is the real world. So it's whatever, you know, when I say the stereotype, I think, you know, you, you just got to give me kind of the gut feel. I mean, these, these parties develop over time. They develop based on the messages they want to put out. They also develop by the people who are, who are part of, of, part of that party. One of the fun things or interesting things about this kind of research is, you know, I, I think when you say they look like country club people, almost everyone listening to us knows what you're talking about. But it's hard to put that into 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 other words, like more objective words. It's like we know what you mean, but how do I actually describe that? I mean, do people in um, country clubs do they tend to be blonde? Do they tend to have brown hair? What kind of haircut do they have? They just look very put together in their outfits. Um, I think of like a comb over hair okay. do for the men. Well, okay, but let's talk about hair for a second. A neat kind of trimmed haircut or a little bit shaggy for the Republicans? Definitely the neat trimmed. Okay. Clothing, um, suit and tie or t-shirt and jeans? Suit and tie. Okay. But I would say that for the Democrats as well. Okay. Well, but, you know, it's sort of on the, on the margins, right? Hair is a good one. And, and these things change over time. But beard and a mustache, is that Republican or Democrat? I'd say more Democrat. And I, and I would think that too. Hair? Face structure probably plays into it, and that's a, that's a hard one to that's a hard one to come up with. I've heard other people say, you know, Republicans almost have more like that that square jawed look. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, just very defined shapes. Okay, so we we've actually kind of covered some of it, but is there is there a Democrat look? Anything you want to add to that side of it? Yeah, I would say it's more of a family oriented, homey, grandma, grandpa look. They just look warm and fuzzy. Okay, warm and fuzzy. But you also said family. That's, um, and again, this is a real challenge, right? It's like, so what is your stereotype of what a family person looks like? It's that warm and fuzzy idea? Yeah, just like an average person that you would see on the street. So is it fair to say that Republicans are a lot less cuddly than Democrats in your mind? Appearance-wise, Appearance I'd say wise. so. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to describe. <laughs> <laughs> right. But but let me ask you this. So it's hard to put, it's hard to articulate. If you see it, does it sort of instantly kind of make sense to you? Yeah. I mean, right now I'm just thinking in my head, Bernie Sanders, like he would look like such a nice grandpa. If I just saw him on the street and didn't know who he was, I don't know if I would think he was running, you know, that he ran for president. Okay. But... If I saw uh, Mitt well, Romney... Let, okay, well, let's let's get to Romney in a second. So Bernie Sanders, how would you describe him? It's almost like I want to say you're now describing him to the police sketch artist. But, you know, how would you how would you describe him? He has shaggy gray hair, okay. big glasses, just looks like a nice man. Okay. <laughs> not a, not like, let's say, a real aggressive masculine jaw, right? A little right. bit shaggy, a little bit... Like a circular face. 
Okay, circular face. And, and this is kind of an interesting thing, right? It's like, so there's been some academic research that talks about like the notion of a baby face. Now, I think it's hard to say, you know, Bernie Sanders has a baby face, but that kind of softer, rounder look. Can I say that's your stereotype of a Democrat? Yeah, in general. Okay, and then in comparison, Mitt Romney, because I think Romney's a very, I think if I asked people to name a Republican, Romney would be very high on the list in terms of the aesthetics. He's just very clean cut. Clean cut, I like that one. Yeah, just no beard. And we're, we're looking at a picture of him, looks like he had his hair cut that day, right? Yeah. N- not really, it doesn't even seem to be like a hair out of place. There's even a, a slight touch of gray at the temples. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice smile. Very put together. If you didn't know what they did, that they were politicians, and you saw Bernie Sanders, what would you guess his occupation was? Ooh, that's a good one. I'd say like a tax accountant. A tax accountant? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, same question for uh, Mitt Romney. I would think he was an attorney. Okay. And in terms of, let's say, their uh, their personalities... I would probably approach Bernie Sanders more because he just seems maybe friendlier and Mitt Romney maybe a little more tenacious. So I I heard he's friendlier, more approachable. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Romney more intimidating. Oh, absolutely. And and I think this is great. And it kind of reveals the complexity of some of this stuff in that you've definitely got some biases might sound like too harsh of a word but biases and stereotypes about the about the candidates but also just the very idea that you're making visual inferences about personality and this is something that uh very often almost brings people up a little bit short until they think about it's like yeah of course that's what we do we do that with literally everyone we meet right now maybe we we adjust for that and we correct for that in the real world but you see someone new do you immediately form like an expectation of how they're going to be based on what they look like? Yeah, I think we all subconsciously do that. We don't intend to sometimes, but just the way people dress, right. how they're put together. Yeah, you make assumptions. Yeah, 100%. And and frankly, in, in some ways, I kind of suffer from that in the classroom here, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all think you're cool. <laughs> <I'd> say <laughs> okay but i'm a uh i'm a bald guy with uh piercing blue eyes that doesn't smile right and yeah. so there's a starting point from that right i mean it's i'm not, I'm not making a judgment in one direction or another but you know i, I used to co-teach with someone who was um, a little bit a little bit bigger a little bit softer and a little bit more friendly right and i, and I think that stuff really you know, those initial, and there's a, there's even another kind of research called thin slices research where people have found that if you show, a, I think it was something like 10 seconds of video on an instructor, you can do pretty well in terms of predicting their teaching ratings across an entire semester. And so the power of those visual inferences and those first impressions is we, it's been found to be really critical in a lot of places, and even including politics. So there's um, there's some existing research, and this is not this is not my research, where folks have looked at you know basically they've shown people pictures of candidates, and said, who is more who is most competent looking, and that's been kind of the starting point of competent looking. And again, you know, let me throw it to you. 
What does competent looking mean? That's a hard one to answer. It's a hard one to put words to, but is it something that sort of resonates with you just in terms of thinking? It's like, yeah, I see someone and I go, oh, that's a competent person. I guess if they're just put together, they dress well. Okay. That's what really just pops to my mind. They dress well, and maybe this kind of goes back to Romney, right? There's not a hair out of place. Yeah. Everything is everything is well executed. Okay. And so what, what the initial research found is that if people... It was something like, and I'm not, I'm not looking up the exact numbers here, but the candidate that was more competent looking won elections 75 or so percent of the time. Okay, and this is just people looking at black and white photos and saying, "Oh, this guy looks more competent." So it's interesting. So all these looks really do affect well, how people vote. Yeah. So we we started out talking about a Republican versus a Democratic look. And I think we agree, and I think most people will agree that there is a difference. If you, if you think about how people go to market as candidates, they tend to actually all, at least as I say in the campaign photos and the web, the photos they put on the websites, those are all pretty similar, though, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, with the poses and backgrounds. The poses is all—it's always kind of like I'm—I'm I'm sitting up, I'm sitting up straight for a change, and I'm kind of angling my body a little bit, right? It's—it's mm-hmm. it's almost always that same that same pose um and the clothing are is always about the same i'd say yeah professional suits especially for the guys right yeah it's it's always this um you know fresh haircut blue or gray suit white or blue shirt and a blue or red tie yeah this is um you know we're gonna have the conversation mostly about men but it does kind of highlight a potential issue with female candidates right in that there is no standard uniform well hillary wore pants all the time she was recognized for that but you look at sarah palin she wore more dresses and skirts yeah we're looking at some pictures and here's a you know so we have a picture of hillary clinton wearing uh, a well you know what i mean so i think most of the pictures we see she's like wearing a blue kind of pantsuit right yeah and so if you're taking the picture from the shoulder up you know who the hell knows what's happening uh the picture we're looking at is sarah palin in a what would you call that color? Like, Maroon? Like a red blouse. Okay. You know, it's a little different than the other pictures where we've got Reagan, you know, some of these other guys in, you know, navy suit and a tie. Mm-hmm. Now, do you remember the, um, I think it was the most prominent debate between Clinton and Trump? I think she wore, it was the one where she wore like a white pantsuit, right? I don't remember that particularly. Okay. Well, but, it, you know, but there is always going to be this thing where in the absence of a standard uniform, and I think Trump almost always navy suit, red tie, that it, it becomes a little bit more, and I'm not going to say this is sexism, I'm not even going to speculate as to what it is, but there's a little bit more room for variance with female candidates, and it's something they really need to think through. Um, and that if the clothing is not, let's say, this standard uniform, what inferences are going to be made about that clothing? You know, if we've learned one thing in this in this line of research, it's that appearances matter. And so when you deviate from the standard, you may, like, you may get a benefit, but you may take a hit on it. Right. So, you know, so, so the initial research findings said that the candidate that's more competent tends to win. Not all the time, but in general, they win more often than they lose. Now, as a marketing guy, I tend to think in the world of brands, okay? And I think the Republican brand and the Democratic brand are very different things. And so one of the questions that popped into my head is, 
Well, if these are very different brands, then should the appearance actually be the same? I mean, think about very different, very different automotive brands, right? So you drive a Honda Civic or Accord. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the opposite of uh, the Honda brand? Porsche. Yeah. Okay. Something luxury. Okay. So are the traits that make a Honda Civic aesthetically appealing? Are those the same things for a Porsche? No. I mean, yeah, it kind of seems no, no, right? Very different brand positioning. So as the next, let me ask you this. So we've already talked about the stereotypes visually. What are the Republican and what are the Democrat, uh, Democrat brands? How do you think of those brands? What do these parties stand for? How are they positioned? The Republican brand, they value religion and very traditional values. Ada's a millennial, by the way. <laughs> Was this important? only in that you know we we grow up in we grow up in cultures that change over time and you know if i'm kind of being cruel i want to say the millennials kind of often been informed by watching you know i was a john stewart on the daily show so is that a bad thing no it's totally unfair on my part but (laughs) but but again you know we're we're in this realm of stereotypes so yeah so let's (laughs) let's continue (laughs) and i'd say okay republicans are traditional conservative religious is that what you said yeah okay and the democratic brand is more about change being progressive and just more open to different values okay traditional conservative versus open and what was the other word you used progressive open and progressive you know what we did was we actually sort of drilled down and asked about more than just more than just let's say competence where we asked about a bunch of different traits and a lot of this is you know as a researcher when you approach these things you do start with your own biases and stereotypes in mind so we asked about a bunch of different traits and but the the four that I'll focus on here were competence intelligence okay and and right there I think it's um, you know worth stopping for a moment so are competent people intelligent, Ada? Yes. Okay. Are intelligent people competent? No. Not all <laughs> the time, I'd say. Okay. You know, this is one of those things where you kind of go, oh, yeah, well, maybe something important, potentially important is happening, right? And that you, you got to have some level of intelligence to be competent. you got to know what you're doing. But we can probably all think of smart people that screw everything up around them, right? Yeah. And so th- this issue of, let's say, being very kind of careful or very finely dicing these visual impressions, we thought was going to be important as we went into this. Okay? The next two were trustworthiness and likability. And again, are those similar but different? Yeah, I'd put trustworthy. Can you like someone that's not trustworthy? It'd be hard to, but you can. Okay. But do you necessarily like someone that is trustworthy, right? Yeah, I'd say so. You'd like someone who is, you could trust. Okay. Let's go back to one of the, the, the names you threw out there. So Bernie Sanders, uh, competent versus intelligent. Which way does he lean on that? I would say competent. Competent? Yeah. Okay. What I do th- you think? I thought you were going to go intelligent, but again, you know, I've got... I've got my own biases on these things. Well, and, you know, full disclosure, like when I when I think about some of these these pictures we're talking about, and, and let's say Romney versus uh, versus Sanders, I think Bernie Sanders looks like a guy that could be on the faculty with me. Looks like he could be a university professor. I could see that. But I don't think there are too many guys that look like Mitt Romney walking around these ivory towers 
definitely not. Uh, to, to, to me, Romney looks like, so let, let's say, you know, I started my teaching career at the University of Florida. Romney looks like he might be the football coach at Florida. And Sanders looks like he might be a psychology professor. Pretty accurate. Yeah. Well, and again, it's like, you know, it, it, these are hard things to say. And you feel like you're going to, you know, you're saying these kind of crazy biased things. But it's like, that's the stuff that, that's the stuff that pops into, pops into my head. And so when we did this research, we, you know, I think I foreshadowed the results here. We found that Republicans did better when they um, looked more competent than intelligent more of a can get things done look versus a head is going to be you know lost in the clouds wants to talk about theories that's what voters looked for that well that seems to be what voters look for in terms of who they they choose so republican candidates that looked like in in the one of the names that pops into my head when we saw that result was like a ronald reagan in this iconic picture of you know reagan standing by a horse i think dressed like he's he's a rancher you know someone that gets things done but you know we've got no reason to think that he's a math whiz or that he's you know a philosopher what about on the democrat side on the democratic side and this is where it was kind of a, a really nice result we actually found the reverse that democratic candidates that skewed more towards the intelligence side versus the competent side ended up being favored by voters i remember when we originally did this research i actually I said to an interviewer, it's almost like what we're what we're finding is that Republicans look like they're coming from the country club, you know, they're the corporate executives or the football coaches, and Democrats look like they are the uh, you know coming from the faculty club, that they're more of the the artist type or the intellectual types. Now, we didn't rehearse this, but I think that totally fits what you said about the Democratic and the Republican brands, right? Yeah. Like this emphasis on theory versus competence seems to fit what a lot of voters what a lot of voters believe about those brands. Uh, the other one we found in, you know, I, I've got less of a story about this one, so you know, you tell me what you think. We found that something similar where for Republicans it was better to be more trustworthy looking than likable, and the reverse for Democrats where more likability than trustworthiness. I think that's pretty spot on. Okay, and so do you think these the the ideal candidate for this group is someone that's um, smart and likable? I mean, because in, in a way, I end up with this story where the the Republican does well when they're competent and trustworthy. It almost does seem to be like this older, kind of more established, more less fun. I mean, is it, does fun come into this? Yeah. That's hard to say. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no. yeah and, and again, I don't know. It's like we're kind of exploring with different different words, but um, but I think that the results ended up kind of resonating with people because they they made sense. You know, it was like when you tease things apart, there was definitely a Republican look and there was a Democratic look. As an aside, at one point when we were doing this research, we actually showed people pictures. It was from House races, and asked people to guess who the Republican and who the Democrat was. And you know we did we did all the things we you know we actually removed um, we moved races where there where there were different where the candidates were of different race or where it was a man running against a woman, and well I mean what what do you think can people sort of guess who the Republicans are and who the Democrats were most likely yeah. I'd say absolutely absolutely so so the results really you know that 
I think they resonated with people because they tended to make sense. And it was a very, it was an intuitive story. And it was also something that made sense in terms of the branding. The Republicans have this history and they've got this brand. The Democrats have their history and they've got this brand. And the visual elements, you know, kind of go along with those uh, with those brands and those histories. That's a good point. So what are the implications? So we are coming up on a on another electoral cycle here. We are we're taping this on the middle of September and you know this is going to be like like you know every election is almost always portrayed as the most important election of uh, of everyone's lifetime. You know the uh, the house in particular is you know the the balance of the house is kind of in question will there be a, a blue wave now you know so for this next electoral cycle you can almost say you know maybe the die is cast you know the the candidates are determined we know who's going to run against who in in all these different um, all these different congressional districts or senatorial contests that being said i think there's some short-term things and there's some long-term things that can be done in terms of the short term you know, this notion that Republican candidates do better when they're, I mean, you know, I'm coming up with the words on the fly, when they have this kind of can-do look to them, right? And Democrats do better when they're almost these kind of, like, this is the guy or the woman that's going to come up with the new theoretical solution. That kind of stuff can inform the, the, the tone and the, the creation of advertising. For the Republican, you know, that emphasis on, getting things done. I, I think I keep coming back to that phrase, getting things done, you know, almost like touring the factory floor or the farm where work is going to happen. And for the the Democrats, maybe it's something more aspirational in terms of what's going to be possible. You know, so look, we've got a high profile race here in, in Georgia, Brian Kemp versus uh, Stacey Abrams. And I think in some ways, you know, those that's kind of consistent with the, the advertising messages those guys those two have chosen moving into the into the general election. So do you think every candidate has political consultants who do studies to different target groups to see what's more appealing to them and those are the pictures that they post on flyers and advertise Absolutely. But I and this is one of the, you know, like um Let's say this in terms of marketing and marketing analytics. This, the world of marketing has a, I'll use a phrase, a soft underbelly. There's a lot of people working in marketing that have sort of fairly simplistic approaches to things. You know, it's like, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, pains me as, as a marketer and an academic and a statistician is this idea of, well, you just got to be on brand. What's the brand? What's the brand? And let's stay on brand. You know, so a lot of, I think, political consultants are, you know, they're, they're running focus groups. They're, uh, you know, I think the news always loves this idea of, well, we've got a group of people in a room and they all have a knob and we see the favorability of the Republicans, the favorability of the Democrats and the independents over time. You know, I think a lot of what you see is based on that kind of sort of very near-term, immediate feedback of the results the implications of this study is to almost be a little bit more strategic and more long-term in your thinking, that you are developing something over time with consistency with the, let's say, the global Republican or Democrat brand. Now, that's that's the short term. In long term, so future electoral cycles, I think this research has a lot of implications for candidate selection. And that's why, 
when, when I think about this stuff, I think about this general topic of or this general field of people analytics. You are, if you know, if you're a party, you're trying to build a roster of candidates, a roster of players to compete across, you know, various positions, congressional people, governors, senators, all the way up to president. These results have implications, let's say, both for candidate selection, right? So is there a candidate that has a look that's going to help you win with them? And I know people are going to hate that statement, right, that we're going to choose candidates based on looks. But, look, if you want to win, appearance seems to be a pretty pretty big part of this. Now, on the other side of it, if you're thinking about long-term positioning of those parties, I think these visual inferences that make candidates successful are intimately related with the positioning that these parties have employed over time. It's kind of this getting away from appearance for a second. The positioning of a party should be a function of, let's say, the players or the candidates we're going to bring into it, that there's got to be consistency. So if the long-term goal of the Republicans is to, you know, maybe it's to move away from your stereotype of them as the country club people, right? Is Mm -hmm. that fair? Then you know, they might want to look for a different aesthetic in terms of in terms of the candidates. So I, I think it has implications sort of up and down the ladder in terms of politics, in terms of how you position in a current race, who you select to run in a general election, who you, you know, want in your you know, in your leadership roles for a party and even how you decide to position the party. So that's something voters should have in mind, too, when they choose who they vote for. This line of research can, I think, disturb people in some ways, in that fundamentally what we're saying is what people look like matter. I think intuitively we know that's true in almost every aspect of our lives, but somehow when we're talking about voting for people, it seems really, really unfortunate and kind of, you know, almost tragic to some people. That should really be based on the merit but, you know, the, the reality is when people make decisions, they use the information they have. And they, they and I should even take that a step back. It's like they use the information they have or that they can easily access. And so when I'm deciding who I'm going to vote for, it's not so much that they're saying, oh, I want the person that's more good, that's better looking or more competent looking. It's that, you know, based on their experiences as a person, People that look in certain ways behave in certain ways. And so there's some gathering of information, right? You know, learning about what the candidates believe. And then, you know, that's combined with all other sorts of information, right? When we when I said that I, I think people could predict who's going to win elections based on competence about 70% of the, 70, 75% of the time, that means there's something else coming into this, right? It's not just all about appearance, but appearance and these kind of inferences are are going to be part of it. Yeah, I think people just want to align with who they think fits with their personalities and what they're looking for. And I think that's very fair, too. You know, one of the things that we didn't look at in this research is actually what Republican and Democratic voters look like, because that could almost that could that could be a fascinating part of this as well is like, well, so we know that the candidates look a little bit different. Do the voters actually look a little bit different? Then you get into all, all sorts of levels of almost like tribalism here. It's like, oh boy, Republicans are voting for people. You know, it's like we've got the red party is just people that look like this, and the blue party is people that look like that. That's for another day. 
Well, thanks so much for listening. And if you like our podcast, we'd love for you to rate and subscribe us. And we do drop episodes every other Thursday. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.